Good evening, everyone. It's Cole Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at Navis podcast for the 19th of June, 2019. I took a week off. I uh, just wanted to further collect my thoughts about a few things, and uh, there wasn't really much going on last week, so I decided to take last week off. I know I didn't uh, tell anyone. I Usually, the Instagram is a place to update people on what's been going on, and uh, I didn't do that, so I apologize for that. Uh, but I'm here, back here this week, and this week is actually going to be kind of a, um, well, I've got a lot of stuff on this week, uh, you know, life-wise, um, but in, in terms of our podcast content, um, we're going to have tonight's normal episode, and I'm also going to do the best of May, uh, because I haven't done the uh, best of May yet, or just every single movie I watched in May, and I realized that... Um, I realized the uh, the good, bad, the meh uh, is done in July. So it'll be that will be happening in July. I know I said two weeks ago that I'll be doing that sometime in June. It's going to be sometime in July now because um, I figured out that it wasn't until then. So on tonight's podcast, I'm going to be talking about Aladdin, the live action Aladdin, uh, Rocket Man, and The Beach Bum, how many Corinne's uh, new film. And I'll be talking about some TV as well, maybe some Black Mirror, Chef Show, and looking at uh, the trails that we got this week. I won't be talking about last week's trails because, you know, you guys can probably check that out for yourselves. But I'll be talking about this week's trails and and um, see what's going on. Yeah, um, so people wanted to get my thoughts on uh, the live-action Aladdin. And I thought it was going to be... I was very skeptical at first... Uh, when it uh, was announced, as I am skeptical about most of these live-action films, um, the Jungle Book was okay to me. Uh, I didn't think it was. Um, I thought the animation, like you know, uh, uh, we've reached some kind of peak there with animation in terms of um, you know, in terms of that uh, CGI. But I don't know. I wasn't really attached to the Jungle Book as a kid. Even the animation itself, I wasn't really attached. And, um, so I wasn't really, the film, I was just like, yeah, okay, righto. And I watched it and yeah, it's fine. Um, but other people I know really, really love the Jungle Book. Um, but yeah, I, I thought it was, I thought it was fine. I thought it was, I thought it was okay. So I've been, um, I have been more than skeptical about, uh, some of, some of these live action films. I know the animation is going to look good, but how is the movie going to fare on its own? And how is it? What what are they going to do differently from it? Um, and are they going to add stuff in? Are they going to you know keep true to the source material? Um, I know that for this Aladdin, they did add a f- uh, couple of new songs in. Uh, I will talk. About, I'll be talking about one of those particular songs later. But uh, I know that out of the few. Um, a few remixes of songs that we do know, some familiar songs. Um, I know that DJ Carla was one of the producers, uh, musical producers on this film, and he worked with uh, Will Smith to produce a couple of his numbers. So I know that there are some um, added in like that. Just like The Lion King has a few new songs as well. We know that Beyonce will be doing a few songs um, as Nala for the new uh, live-action Lion King, which, again, I'm also still like, eh... I'll still, I'll still see it. I love the Lion King. Well, I'll still see it. But who knows? I could probably, I could probably 
be uh, my mind could be probably changed uh, like I did when I came out of Aladdin. Um, this movie's good. It's a good movie. I, uh, you know, I don't think it deserves all of the hate it's getting. Uh, people are calling it unwatchable trash. Uh, I really can't say that. Um, I really, really, really like this movie. It's, I really like the old Aladdin. Now, I just want a bit of a context for this one because I hadn't seen the old Aladdin, like the original Aladdin, the animated film with Robin Williams as the genie. I hadn't seen that uh, for a while. I hadn't seen it since I was, I was actually a kid. So I remember just not liking it as much and I don't think I had, you know, being as mature I am now and having like a mature, like a more mature brain and um, be more appreciative of that kind of stuff. I didn't... Um, I didn't think I would like the. Uh, I didn't think I lo- if I was if I were to watch it again, I didn't think I would like it uh, as much just because I didn't like it as much as a kid. But um, so um, I was I was a bit hesitant going in, um, but I'm happy to say that it is a um, it is a good movie and it is it is definitely the best uh, Disney live action film they've done so far. And. Uh, Will Smith's good, man. He's he's good. Um, I think, you know, it's 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 a hard task to replace Robin Williams as um, the genie to take up that role. I imagine it was very daunting for Will Smith when he um, was given that opportunity to take that to that take that place. But I, I got to say, Will Smith, he he takes the role, he makes it his own, and he adds a few of his own stuff in there. I, I liked some of the, you know, that genie has these, um, you know, he's a fucking genie, so he does a lot of magical things <laughs> and uh you know little flourishes and touches like in terms of the animation like he's making little things appear and shit out of, out of thin air and uh i liked the way they went with the live action like um especially will smith because there was a lot of there's a few references to like today's times obviously and uh i don't i i just thought he he is probably one of the best parts of this film um i'll get to my favorite part in the film in a minute but uh, he is definitely one of the best parts of the of, of the movie, and I, I I'll say that if you were hesitant about going into Aladdin and worrying about Will Smith, if, if him just you know if you saw that teaser image of him in the uh, the giant genie CGI, and you're saying holy fuck, that's not my genie, um, I'm going to say that you'd be happily surprised that um, pleasantly surprised, I guess that it's not as bad as you. <laughs> it's not bad. I'm not going to say it's not as bad as you think because I don't I don't think it's bad at all. It's not bad. He does a good job. I actually think that um, his Prince Ali is better than Williams's. I mean, you can't you can't really top a friend like me, his version of that. But I still think his uh, Prince Ali is better than Williams's. I think his performance is better. Um, and he, I don't know. He he requ- he requires. Uh, there's a certain scene near the end of the film where he requires him to, you know, as everyone says, act <laughs> a little. Um, and I just think his, his emotion and, uh, his, um, his nuance there was very, um, was very genuine and he could, um, I'm not going to spoil obviously what the scene is at the end, but it, requ- uh, it does require a bit from Smith and I think he pull- really, really pulls it off at the end. Um, in terms of the production and the music, uh, it's a, it's a fucking musical. So the, you're going to expect like a lot of, um, you know, yeah, if you've seen the original Aladdin, there's lots of uh, musical numbers in there. But in terms of it being like a full-on blow musical, yeah, it does look like that. And um, 
the costumes look phenomenal uh whoever did the costume design i, I don't know who you are but uh really really just really beautiful i, I love the uh all the different garments and everything from the market and all, all on the extras and everything uh the the women wearing the the headdresses and the uh the, the beautiful jewels on their dresses and everything, uh, especially Princess Jasmine's uh, je- dress, the few dresses that she changes in and out of in the film, uh, she is she looks phenomenal. Um, and we can talk about Princess Jasmine right now because Naomi Scott, holy fucking shit, um, incredible, absolutely incredible. Uh, Naomi Scott definitely. Uh, probably tying for a number one spot with Will Smith about my favorite part of the film uh she is absolutely amazing as Jasmine and um she really really pulls it off she does I think Mina Mastel is he's he's in and out for me um I know in the first 20 minutes I was like oh okay right and then he got better as the movie went on um but Naomi Scott for me all the way through was just was fantastic uh I don't know. The only time I've seen her was in when she did that, that Power Rangers film, uh, which was the um, the bloody uh, remake of the old, you know, the old Power Rangers. And you had like that, you know, it was over the top Krispy Kreme for some reason was in it a lot. And uh, Elizabeth Banks as the uh, was as the really fucking cartoonish villain. And I think that film suffered from tone issues. That's why that film didn't didn't work for me. Um. But she is, um, she was probably one of my favorite parts of that film because I really, I did, really did like her. And in this movie, she is just, she's absolutely just, just beautiful. And I want to talk about one of her um, most, her one of her pivotal parts in the film. It takes place near the end. Uh, well, she has this song that she, uh, there's a new song they've added to Aladdin um, for Jasmine um, that fits really well within today's times and today's um, culture that we're experiencing right now. And um, it's just, you know, when you watch the animated film and see a, you know, a certain scene towards the end uh, where um, she's in that uh, really, anyway, I'll, I'll, I'm just going to spoil it anyway because everyone's seen the fucking animated film. Um, near the end where you have Jafar and he, like, he has all those, um, he becomes the sorcerer and then he becomes the big genie and you have uh, Jasmine. Um, pretty much she's, I would say she's, submissive I'd say during that scene and uh, she has she wears a certain uh, provocative outfit and I think the direction they went with this new live action film uh, definitely suits as I said suits today's times and definitely uh, I think it's better it's it's, it's better than what they did there um, and her song Jasmine's new song is is one of the best songs I've heard this year it's uh it's an absolutely beautiful song. Uh, Naomi Scott's voice fits it really, really well. She hits all those notes and uh, just a terrific performance. <laughs> and uh, I've got my housemate here smoking at me <laughs> as he walks outside. <laughs> um, yeah, really, really great stuff. Ooh, I just had the thing like move. There we go. I don't know what was going on then. It was... Um, it was uh, it was twisting around. I couldn't really fucking, I couldn't really get it. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what it was doing. The, the microphone was twisting. Around. You probably heard some twisting around there as I was um, talking. 
but uh yeah she's she's great um and there's just my one of my favorite moments in the film is when she's um is is when uh she has to make a decision make a choice at the end and um it's it's great it's really really good um the songs are good performances are good for the most part and i think it's a good it's a good film it's i think it's a good film there there it is um skeptical old me went into it thought it was going to be trash came out of it it's a good film guys um and it's definitely is my favorite disney live action film they've done so far uh of the uh, old animated films they're going to remake this is definitely the best one so far i think so a hot recommendation for me for aladdin there and i think you'll come out having a good time um I want to say, actually, yeah, I want to add as well. Um, the only thing that didn't really work for me is, for some reason, um, it's not really much of a spoiler, but Billy Magnuson's in it, and he plays this kind of uh, prince part, and he is one of the, you know, in the original film, How Jasmine has to court a lot of, uh, uh, not court, that, well, Jesus, <laughs> uh, go through all the princes to see which one would match her, because the sultan, her father, is supposed to, you know, she's got to find the right prince, um, and he's doing... Um, choosing them for her he he's kind of like one of those roles in the film and he's like he's there for like a few minutes and he comes back in at the end I just don't think his role was necessary um, I think we could have done without that so and his performance was just was just, was just weird it was very off-putting and I was just, I was just, it just it was jarring I'll say that I was like what the fuck is going on right now <laughs> doesn't fit it at all um, that's that's about it um, and I think the um the actor that plays Jafar, um if I can grab his name for a second. Uh Marwin Marwin Kansari. Um he's good for the most part as well. He 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 does a different kind of Jafar to what um the original Jafar was. He has a very deep, booming voice. And this Jafar is kind of like a um sneaky, snickering, like like kind of Jafar. Um, just to give you guys an example there, but, um, I think he makes, again, he's a novel person that makes that role his own as well. Um, his, to give his version of it. And, um, I think he's good for the most part. And, and then at the end, I think the movie requires him to do something. And I just don't think he lives up to the full potential of what it wants it to, what, what it wants him to do, what, what, um, Jafar evolves into. So, um, I just will say that he doesn't really nail it there for me, but that, those, that's really the only issues I have with the film. I had a lot of fun of it and I do recommend it. It's a, it's a, it's a great film. It's a fun film. It's a good film to take the family to. If you want something to take them, take them to, I, is it still out in cinemas? I don't know. Endgame is still out in cinemas, but then again, Endgame is a kind of a different phenomenon. So uh, yeah, I recommend it. Aladdin is a as a surprising, surprising recommendation for me. Oh, I just got to fix this um, oh, microphone up because it's not it's not doing what I want it to do. Hang on a second. Hang on. Why don't I just pause it for a bit? Okay, and we're back. Next, I want to talk about uh, Rocket Man, which is uh, directed by Dexter Fletcher, and it's about the story of Elton John, starring Taron Egerton, 
And uh, you got Bryce Dallas Howard playing his mother. You have uh, Richard Madden playing John Reed, the agent, and Jamie Bell playing Bernie Torpen. Bernie Torpen, Torpen. How do you say his name? I don't know. Um, yeah, it's the story of Elton John. His, uh, you know, it definitely is the story of his life. Um, whereas you, people have been kind of comparing this film to Bohemian Rhapsody. It's kind of like the, it is definitely an R-rated film. It does cover all aspects of, uh, well, most aspects as this film can cover, or for John, John um, Elton John's life, sorry. I keep saying um, John Elton. Elton John's life. And uh, this movie was fantastic. Um, it was, it's definitely works as a musical um, biopic. Definitely works as a fantasy as well. Um, it doesn't just follow the same kind of um, formal like routine. It does sometimes, but when it doesn't, it's when that's one of the films at its best because I've never seen anything like this um, for a musical biopic to follow these kind of uh, well, not even follow these rules. They're breaking these fucking rules. Um, yeah, and uh, it's um, it's such a just a fun experience it's it's so uplifting uh taron edgerton is fantastic as elton john um who knew he could the fucking dude could sing eggsy from kingsman the secret service can sing guys sing real good and uh he nails elton john he can tell he's having a lot of fun playing elton john and um he really really delves into the character and dexter fletcher i gotta hand it to dexter fletcher the vision he has for this film is it's, it's just so unique and I've just never seen that's what I thought Bohemian Rhapsody was going to be when, it, when we're following a life of Freddie Mercury we want to you know it wanted to be something special and unique but as we found out Bohemian Rhapsody was not just about Freddie Mercury it's all about Queen so it ended up being a kind of formulaic um, but still crowd pleasing film and uh, you know because everyone knows like that's, that's what uh, Queen was and uh, with this film, I just the, the the vision for this film, I think, is what Dexter might have wanted for Bohemian Rhapsody. But to to get him, because we were only, we have Brian Singer doing Bohemian Rhapsody, and then Dexter Fletcher comes on to finish it. We have Dexter Fletcher dedicating his full vision and end commitment to Rocket Man, and it definitely really pays off. It um, it's um, uh, it's just so awesome. Uh, each done each song that you experience of Elton John through the film um, from his catalogue is done in a kind of musical style it's uh, like an event will be happening throughout the film and then they'll kind of break into song and dance like you see in a musical but it'll be an Elton John song not like an original piece or something like that you see from musicals it'll be an Elton John song and it's always Taron singing or it'll be a younger um, Elton John singing I don't know who the actors who are playing with him but they were good too and then you move on to Taron being El adult Elton John and uh, it's uh, it's just it just makes me want to like I don't know it makes me want to float. That's what I uh, I uh, put in my letterbox review. It, I just was just like it just makes me want to like just like I just feel so free and um, there's just a lot of air right now. I don't know if that makes any fucking sense, but that's how I felt watching Rocket Man. Um, and I came out just feeling just great, um, breathless, but also just 
was just, I was just like, fuck yeah. Like, that was awesome. And uh, I even it even inspired me to... Uh, I'm not a singer. I'm not a songwriter. But I came home and wrote a fucking song. Um, just, I don't, just, just all the words came to my head and I just wrote a song. And it was like... Um, and I, I'm not saying I was just like, I was like, well, now I can write any fucking song. Um, I just like, it, it took a while. I didn't just like fucking sit down and go, oh, there it is, hit number. Um, I, and I can't even fuck, I can't sing. So I really just wrote it. Um, look, I'll look for someone to try and sing it. I think it's all right. Um, but that's what the film did to you, man. It, it, it inspired me as a uh, creative to do more. And... Um, you know, and again, embrace, you know, embrace who you are and, and, you know, just pretty much what Bohemian Rhapsody said about, I mean, Chris Freddie Mercury being one of my biggest inspirations for who I am as a person, um, and creatively as well. Um, Elton John, I didn't know much about Elton John's life and I found there was a lot more to him and a lot of, a lot of stuff has happened to him. The man's been through a lot. I, I didn't think the drug addiction was that bad, but holy shit. It, it gets really, it gets really into that. It nails that, I think. And uh, Taron Egerton, I think, is going to shoo in here for um, one of the best, for, for a Best Actor nomination for next year's Oscars, I think. I think he's a shoo in. Um, I don't know if he'll win. Um, it'd be really, it, it'd be really interesting if we had a person win Best Actor for, you know, one uh, you know, for, for two musical biopics in, 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 um, year after year. So we have like Marmy Malik winning like these, these Oscars for being Freddie Mercury. Then we have Taron Egerton for being Elton John next year. So it'd be interesting to see. I don't know if they'll go down that road, but I do think he is one of the best performances I've seen this year, male wise. And, um, he is definitely, he was better than, look, I'll say it. He, he was better than Rami Malik. I think, I think it was better than Rami Malik. He can actually, he can actually sing. He pulled off the words really well. And um, he he was Elton John. Like as I said to, as I as I thought about when I came out of Bohemian Rhapsody, I was like, well, Rami Malek, he was definitely him, um, Freddie Mercury. He he put so much dedication into um, becoming that person, becoming that character. I think Taron did a great job here. Um, it doesn't matter if you need to learn all the moves and everything. I think him bec- mentally and just putting himself in. Um, you know, into that mindset. I mean, that, that kind of means the same thing, but I just think he really embodied who Elton John was. And you can tell he's just having a fucking blast being him in this film. And yeah, Richard Batten's great. Jamie Bell is, is to be underrated uh, as Bernie Taupin. He is really, really good here. One of the best I've seen him in. And um, yeah, the, the star of the film is um, Taron Egerton, but also the biggest star is Dexter Fletcher. I think he's directed a really, really great film. And um, his vision is so clear, it's so unique. You can see every single, like every bit of the way, what he really wanted for this film, how he wanted to service Elton John's life and uh, do it in such a creative way that has never been really done before or executed such um, anything like this, really. And uh, another shining recommendation for me, Rocket Man. Rugged Man. And I will not butcher that any further. <laughs> Um, yeah, so another recommendation for me for Rocket Man. Go out and see it. I think it's still playing out in cinemas, so definitely go out and see it. 
and um, I think he'll have a great time. If you like Raheem Rhapsody, I think he'll have a good time. But if you like, if you're a fan of Elton John, definitely. I went and saw it with my nan. She's a fan of Elton John. So she was actually singing along with um, most of the songs in there. And I thought my favorite song, here's, a, here's, a, here's a something something new here. I thought my favorite song of Elton John was Rocket Man. But I don't know, after hearing some of the songs in this film that I didn't know that he did, um, I don't know, one might be taking a specific song, might be taking a spot here. Um, and that's all I've got to say. Uh, so definitely go see that. That's another recommendation from me. And finally, let's talk about the beach bum. The beach bum. What is, what's the beach bum? What is it? Is it about? Is it a homeless documentary about uh, people in Florida who don't have homes? <laughs> oh, jeez, that was bad. Um, no, it's not. It's uh, Harmony Corinne's new film. Uh, if you guys know, don't know who Harmony Corinne is, he's the guy that did uh, Spring Breakers, and that was a film that uh, a lot of people. It, it, he definitely found a niche audience with that film. There's a lot of people who really, really love that film and dedicate, um, you know, has dedicated a few costume parties to it, to being the girls from Spring Breakers. It was the kind of the film that, I mean, I wouldn't say that uh, Selena Gomez and Vanessa Hudgens, two Disney stars, were sexualized um, heavily throughout. I mean, they, they definitely were, but... I mean, I think it was, I still, I think it worked as a good independent film and uh, the performances are good. Ashley Benson's good in it too. James Franco is the weirdest he's ever been um, as Alien in that film. And I was interested because I, I, I was kind of half and half about it. I, I, I mostly liked it, but there's a lot of problems with it. I think it dragged away too bitch, uh, way too long. I thought the script could have been better. But here we have, we are at the beach bum. And it's Matthew McConaughey playing a man named Moondog, who is, who is a man, who is, uh, so your basic premise is really that he's married to Isla Fisher's character, um, I think it's, uh, Birdie or something, what's her name? I think it's Minnie, oh yeah, Minnie, there it is, Minnie. Uh, I think, it, I said Birdie because he calls him Minnie Bill in the film. Um, so he's married to her and she has like kind of like a mansion in Miami and everything so that's why he gets all his money and he's just living his life man he's just living his life he's enjoying himself he just and he just does what the fuck he wants and I honestly think that Matthew McConaughey was definitely born to play this role as Moondog and, I, and I'm not even I'm not even kidding about this name it's not like David Moondog or um Matthew Moondog as like a last name. His name is Moondog and the characters in this film refer to him as Moondog. They will not call they do not call him any other name. He is Moondog and I've accepted that. Um and uh pretty much what happens is that uh a certain event happens and it causes him to, you know, be homeless, be a beach bum. And it takes place um, in Key West, I think. I'm pretty sure it's Key West. And then uh, some of it happens in Miami. And some of it happens in uh, Key West. In um, Which, if I'm getting my geography right, North America, it's in Florida. Um, I'm just 
You know what? I'm going to double check just to see if I fucking got it. Okay. Yep. Key West, 13 Florida. So it takes place on that because there's a lot of time he's spending on his boat, um, which is the Moon Dog. And um, this film is it's just, it's so weird. And you can definitely say that it kind of drags a bit, but it's so strangely inspirational at the same time because uh, Moondog is a poet as well and he just writes poetry and I'm not sure if like the poetry kind of makes sense really in the film but it does the, the characters around him and uh, if, if, if he just wrote like one of the definitely one of the uh, um, definitely one of the one of the lines that stood out to me most was um one day this world will swallow me up or I will swallow this world up and you will all perish violently. <laughs> and then he just starts laughing. And I was like, all right. And then everyone claps and applauds because that's fucking great poetry as quoted in the film. So, um, I just can tell, like, as, uh, like Taron, Matthew McConaughey is having a fucking blast being Moondog. You have Zac Efron in a very, very odd role as Flicker. That's the character's name, Flicker. Uh, definitely, if you saw Black, um, Zac Efron, if like I know that people are big fans of Zac Efron, they would have seen him on red carpets with his kind of panini press kind of uh, facial hair going on. Um, looks like he just got burnt inside the face of a fucking panini press. Uh, yeah, this that was for this film. And uh, the clothes he wears are outrageous. And uh, the shit he says is outrageous. And you just buy it because you're just fully sucked into Corinne's world. Um, he always, he loves going for the the kind of uh, dreamy rainbow neon. And you just get really, you just, you just, you get sucked in, man. You just get sucked into his world. It's this, I really like this film way, way more than Supreme Breakers. Um, even if it doesn't feel like there's any script to it. It's very irreverent as a film, I think. And, uh, I don't know, man. It's just, it's just so, the character is so carefree and they're just like, they're, it's a, it's such, it's got a really nice message behind it, I think, about, you know, not taking life so seriously, doing, not like doing, I mean, the characters do what the fuck they want in the film, they, even things that are illegal, but it's, I, I don't think it's really pushing that kind of illegal message. I'm just saying, just like, you know, take it easy for a little while, you know, just sit back, enjoy the little things. And uh, you, you don't have to always take life so seriously all the time. And uh, yeah, just just enjoy it. Just enjoy, enjoy it. Enjoy it because, you know, life's short. And uh, as he says in the film, I want to suck the nectar out of life and fuck it till the wheels fall off. <laughs> so, <laughs> words to live by, Moondog, words to live by. Um, but if you're a fan of uh, Spring Breakers and Harmony Crenn as director, I think you're really going to like Beach Bum. You might even like it more than Spring Breakers, as I did. Um, it's got really got some great performances. It's got a re- great returning performance from Martin Lawrence. Oh, sorry about that. It's got a great returning performance from Martin Lawrence, who plays Captain Whack. He really loves dolphins. He fucking loves dolphins. So, um, yeah. Another another recommendation for me, really. Another one. Um, it's 
it could feel it's wrong. If I want to give a few, if I want to nitpick it, it could feel it's runtime a bit. It only goes for an hour and a half though, but it does have a bit of a slow pace to it. Um, and it doesn't, and you, it doesn't necessarily feel like there's a script to it. But, you know, if you just sit along and enjoy the ride, chill out, enjoy the ride, you'll have a great time with the moon dog and the beach bum. Uh, it's also one of the funniest things I've seen this year as well. Some funny shit in it. Um, I wouldn't say that the funniest, that would probably go to Booksmart, but um, it is one of the funniest. Let's move on to some trailers. What came out this week? Well, 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 what have I got for you? I want to talk about uh, this film, because I, I didn't know about this. This actually came out, actually. Um, it's called Ready or Not. Its trailer came out this week. It's got Samara Weaving in it. Um, Andy McDowell, Mike O'Brien. It's directed by Matt Bertinelli Alpin and Tyler Gilbert. Written by Guy Busick and Ryan Murphy. But I mean, Samara Weaving really caught my eye because she, she's like the... Everyone calls her Margot Robbie version 2. But um, she is she's really good in Mayhem. I mean, everyone will know her probably from Home and Away. or um, But she's really good in Mayhem, I think. And uh, she was in uh, the Babysitter on Netflix. That that's uh, that, that 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 Netflix movie with uh, Bella Thorne as the cheerleader. She plays the uh, she played the babysitter in that film, and um, I've liked her since watching it in her in that. And but she's also really good, as I said, in Mayhem as well. So I'm keen for this one. It's an interesting premise as well. It's uh, she plays like a, a bride who's getting you know obviously they're getting married, and um, before the wedding, I think is I believe it's a, I think it's believable the wedding yeah wedding night takes place yeah that's it I think she gets married maybe and then before she's accepted into their family because their family likes playing games they play kind of I'm just going to say a deadly game of hide and seek and it looks like a dark comedy it looks really really cool um, I, I thought it was going to be like kind of like a horror but I think they're going for a bit of a dark comedy uh, probably some horror elements to it and probably some jump scares in it but I think they got more of a comedy, dark comedy to it, and it works for it. The trailer looks good, um, and I'm, I've got, I've put this movie down on my list now, my watch list on Letterboxd. I've um, put this one down because I think it looks, um, looks like a lot of fun, and uh, I'll be, uh, I wanted to say, I think it's coming in August. That'll be coming out in August, I think, or September. One of those ones. It said August in the US, but I believe if we'll get it, if they get it in August, we might probably get it in September. Um, I mean, I'm hoping for a fucking August release, but we we don't have a um, we don't have a uh, release date here on IMDb, so it's probably August, early September. I was hoping for that. We also got a trailer for uh, Doctor Sleep. Which is, um, as said to be a spiritual sequel to The Shining, but now it's definitely confirmed from Mike Flanagan that this is a sequel to The Shining, um, Stephen King's world-famous novel, and the film Stanley Kubrick's fantastic film. Um, not Stephen King approved, fun fact. Didn't like it. But I think it's one of the best news I've ever seen. And uh, it's... Just phenomenal, uh, Jack. Jack, one of the best male performances of all time, uh, with Jack Nicholson. 
And uh, Dr. Sleep looks like it's following a uh, grown-up Danny. And uh, if we know Danny from the, the Shining, he had the Shining power in the original film. And uh, it looks like it's throwing, showing, uh, following a grown-up Danny and he's experiencing other people that have this Shining ability. And uh, they're getting chased by a cult known as the True Knot who prey on children. They're kind of like vampires, I think, to, uh, you know remain immortal and uh this this is a really really nice trailer first of all um what interests me right off the bat what interests me is director is mike flanagan who is one of the best horror director horror directors working today um and i wasn't a fan of horror films and then i saw what mostly what he did um i started off by watching hush first because i that's why i first um I first heard his name so I watched Hush and um, my favourite of his would probably would be either Hush or Oculus because um, then I watched Oculus after that after I watched Hush Before I Wake is fine um, we know he did the second Ouija film as well and he did Gerald's Game and then everyone will probably know him most TV people TV show lovers will probably know him from The Haunting of Hill House on Netflix and uh, just the rave reviews that got um last year and we already know that that's getting a season two so um that's that's good for those people i haven't seen the series myself but i'll have to get around to it uh gerald's game is a great is a um i wouldn't say great but i'd say it's a it's a good film great performance though from um from jenny um uh, carla cugino sorry Sorry, I, didn't want, I was going to say Gina Carano, but that, that is the uh, the really UFC fighter, I think. But um, Carla Gugino, she is fantastic in that movie. One of the best female performances from 2017. In my opinion, but I was late to the party with that one. Uh, so there, I watched, uh, I really liked Hush, which was um, John Gallagher Jr. He played their kind of... Um, the dude in the mask and it was a really interesting premise and that if you haven't watched Hush it's on Netflix um, I won't reveal too much about it um, I mean John Gale Jr. being the, the guy is not really much of a spoiler but um, I won't say what happens in it but it's about a deaf girl who gets stalked by a guy like just one night and uh, it's it, I really liked what like happened and what uh, took place during that movie like the direction from Flanagan and uh, after that I checked out Oculus which is um, one of his which is one of the his first like well-renowned horror films um, I wouldn't really say well-renowned it's more of like an independent one really but it's got uh, Karen Gillan in it who uh, most of you guys know will be is Nebula from uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe and uh, Doctor, Doctor Who fans will know her as Amy Pond um she was she's Ruby Roundhouse from Jumanji. Uh, I recently just watched. Um, she was in this really short-lived series called Selfie, and I really I, I recently watched that, and uh, I gotta say it's it's not bad. <laughs> I really really liked it. Um, it's only got about thirteen episodes, and they're about a twenty minutes long, but I, I really really liked it. There's a certain episode. I think it's episode ten that is really really good. Um, I think it's called. Um, Imperfect Harmony, I think the episode title was. 
But uh, that was um, that was a really good episode, really, really good episode. And uh, it just sucks that uh, it didn't it didn't really get some life. Uh, apparently, the ratings were because it was on ABC. The ratings were uh, not too great for it. Um, so that usually that's what's happened to shows. We had that happen with uh, Community. We had that happen with Brooklyn Nine Nine. Um, apparently, the ratings weren't even though they're great, they're not cutting it. So cancel it. Just do it. Fuck it. Who gives you the fuck about the fans? Um, but, uh, you know, look, I understand. Um, I understand adding a last season to it because then you have some time to wrap it up. But I don't like shows when they just cut it halfway through and I go, well, we just left it on a cliffhanger and we don't know what happens next. Or, you know, it's short lived. Even though it's only got one season to it, um, I was still like, oh, well, I would have liked to see what happens. But I'm fine with what I got because it's. Uh, there's a bit of a wrap up in episode 13. I wouldn't say it's like too much of a cliffhanger. You don't, you don't just get left going, well, now I need to know everything. I think it's, uh, I was, when I finished it, I was just like, yeah, that was cool. I liked it. Anyway, I was, I was like a bit of a Carrie and Gillen without tangent. Um, so, uh, yeah, Oculus, Oculus is a good film. And, um, if you haven't seen that, that, that is a, yeah, that, that is a good independent horror film. Um, if you haven't seen that interesting premise to it as well and uh, yeah so everyone will know him Mike Flanagan from Haunting of Hill House and uh, when we kind of got the news that he was doing the sequel to The Shining Doctor Sleep they didn't really know the full de- no, no one really knew the full details of it. it was it a sequel to The Shining blah 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 we saw the trailer guys it's a sequel to The Shining it's got shots from the film um, Flanagan's himself so they were recreated but it's going to have a lot of connection to The Shining because, you know, it is Danny Torrance. So I'm very keen for this one. Uh, again, I'm not a fan of horror. I'm trying to get there, trying to get into it. But um, I'm kind of like an outside fan. I kind of like watch them and like appreciate, really appreciate the filmmaking in it. But I'm like, I'm such a little bitch that I can't sit down and, you know watch a film in the dark because fuck that you know fuck that jump scares man jump scares they're fucked <laughs> uh, but I I don't know I, I, I probably will be in the cinema for this one for Doctor Sleep I think I will be uh, much like I might be in the cinema for It Chapter 2 because um, you know the way Andy Machete's directing that film um, is really really cool uh, again, the cinematography is great. I want to, yeah, the cinematography for this trailer and for this film, it looks like he's going full kind of haunting of um, Hill House kind of vibes here with the uh, the cinematography and, and and the color palette and everything. And I really like that that nice clean look, but like a nice um, not letterboxed in. And I like the way you know I like the way he's doing that, and it looks great. Ewan McGregor is going to play growing up Danny Torrance and you've got Rebecca Ferguson as she's looking like one of the head of the this cult the vampire cult and I haven't read the book I've been told that the book is good so I'll get around to it maybe I'm trying to read more books guys but uh, I just don't have I don't, yeah again I don't have the money and the res- you know to get a book once I've got resources I've got a fucking brain uh, but most of the time people think I don't soft burn there um yeah I uh 
I want to read more books. I want to get around to it. Um, I raised a, a sort of question on a personality thing the other day where it's like, you want to make a summer reading list? And I was like, what the fuck is that? And then apparently um, book lovers will make a list because look, most books come out in the summer, I think in the US, I think. And uh, it's either the summer, it was like summer, yeah. Most books come out in the summer in the US and uh, book lovers will look at those, you know, look at them coming out. It's like me with movies. Like I see movies that are coming out and say, well, I want to get all this, blah, blah, blah. I want to go see this, 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 this. They make a full-on list and goes, I want to buy this, buy this, buy this, buy this, read all that in the full summer. Read all those books. So, you know, that that was kind of, um, didn't know that. That was cool to find out. Really cool, actually. And uh, I want to talk to my book-loving friends now that, like, if they do that, um, especially one of my best friends, uh, she's a massive book fan, loves them. So I want to really ask her if she does the same thing. I'm guessing that she does, though. But uh, I just haven't asked her about that yet. It'd be interesting to find out more. Uh, but yeah, the, the bottom line is, uh, of what I'm trying to say here is, I would love to read more. Um, the only books I've really read are the um, Harry Potter series. And I want to read them again as an adult, because I only read them as a child, as a kid. So uh, I want to read them as an adult. I did read The Philosopher's Stone um, last year. And then I just never read the rest because I didn't have the rest. So I got to like buy them. Uh, I saw these really sick ones though. You can get them at um, EB Games. Apparently, um, the publishing company has released kind of versions of the books that you can get. The books of the series that you can get. But it's like in the colours of uh, of the houses. So I saw today at um, EB Games here. Um, over in Green Hills that they it was a Chamber of Secrets but it was green because my house is Slytherin I've done the I got the Slytherin house um, I got Slytherin and Pottermore so that is my I'm going to say that's my house I know that people will like I know that people are really into that into that uh, really into the lore of it all they're like well you're not really a Slytherin like just because you answered you can answer those kind of questions and have it kind of tailored to you being a Slytherin because um, that's what you want uh, but no, I just answered, I'm going to be honest, I answered the, the, the uh, questions truthfully, and uh, I got Slytherin, so I guess I'm Slytherin. Uh, but people think I'm either a Hufflepuff or a Gryffindor, someone said I'm a Ravenclaw, I was like, well, which fucking one is it? Uh, but I'm a Slytherin, so there you go. If, you ever, if anyone out there was wondering, I'm a Slytherin. But I'm a good Slytherin, I'm not a bad Slytherin. Not a uh, not a crab nor a goyle. I'm a I'm a Kyle. There you go. I'm a Kyle. But I saw this. Um, it was in a green. It was it was a green cover. It was a fully green thing. It had like green like um, colors on on the on the tips of the pages as well. I was like, that's really fucking cool. And then uh, it was a Hufflepuff one as well. But it was only Chamber of Secrets. It wasn't like apparently it's the whole collection has been done in the different colors. And um, if I were to collect the series. As an adult, uh, I'd probably get the green covered ones. I'd probably get the Slytherin collection, but like all of the books, you know, done like that. And plus, it just looks it just looks better. I really like minimal design. I don't like all the stuff going on in the cover and everything. So, it'd be re- and they're also hard covers as well. So, I'm a big fan of hard covers. I mean, I like I don't mind books as it you know being 
and books and, and, and soft covers and everything but I like I really like hard covers there's something so firm and I don't know I don't know why I'm thinking permanence but uh, I don't know there's a bit of permanence to it to me I think like I it's like the feel of it hard cover then you get the slap of a book hitting the hard cover hitting the pages um, really really cool so yeah that, that's what I saw and I was like well I'll probably get if I were to collect, collect the books as an adult I'll probably get the uh, I mean the uh, the green covers since I'm a slivering but there was Hufflepuff there as well I'm guessing they're probably Ravenclaw blue ones and Gryffindor red ones um, so that, yeah so that's really cool and uh, there's certain there's certain books that I want to get on screenwriting and writing and directing um, I think I want to get uh, Robin McKee's story um, John Truby's Anatomy story um, notes on directing Into the Woods uh, books like that um, I think there's even Sid Field's screenplay would be interesting even though I don't really fully follow that structure anymore the, the, the kind of bare bones three act structure that Sid Field established with his book screenplay um, I wouldn't mind just, you know still reading about it because it's interesting, it's very interesting to me. Any type of story structure learning about is interesting. So that's the fun thing about writing, guys. You get all the elements. You can have the structure, but then you got to have the interesting characters and the subtext and blah blah. blah. You know all this. I mean, writers know what I'm talking about. So all the elements of storytelling. <laughs> I'm not. I'm yeah. Get, get, trying to get me back on track here. So yeah, I'm I'm keen for uh, um, I'm keen for um, Doctor Sleep. Sorry, my mind went my mind went miles away. Doctor Sleep, very keen for that. Um, finally, I want to talk about this. This is this is interesting. This is really interesting to me. Steven Spielberg is is um, you know the hater of streaming. Is uh, as he's been dubbed by by um, me jokingly, but uh, you know I don't doesn't like Netflix movies being eligible for Oscar nominations, so that's true. Um. Anyway, let's just say he's not be like people have been just pretty much just generalizing him as not a, as a fan of non of like not not a fan of streaming doesn't like streaming. Anyway, I found this story really interesting. This has happened like around last week and I wanted to like touch on it a bit. Um, if I can get the fucking internet working. Um, where the fuck is it? It's, uh, there it is. I think it's, it might be a Chrome page. No, it's not that. Nope. Might have been a Chrome page, I think. I'm looking in like the internet app and it's not, um, it's not coming up. It might have been a Chrome page, I think. Because I it, it I use Chrome now as the dedicated browser. Uh, bookmarks, that be it. Bookmarks, step by step guide. No, no, no. No, okay, it might be a screenshot. It's uh, there it is. Yeah, so Steven Spielberg is writing a horror series that can only be watched after dark, like at midnight. 
Um, I think he's teaming up with, I think it's uh, H, I haven't got there, because I had to find the screenshot. I haven't found the, um, the, um, the actual article, but I'll, I'll, I'll get it up. Um, um, horror. I'll just look up horror. Bear with me, guys, for a second here. Uh, there we go. I define it, it was the it was the Entertainment Weekly article, so I define that. Uh, so he's writing a horror series. I don't think we watched After Dark. So he's teaming up with um, oh, Jeffrey Katzenberg. Who's oh, it's, oh, that's Disney's exec, right? Yeah, so the first big thing was that he was working with um, Apple to do Amazing Stories, the Amazing Stories anthology series. He's working with Apple because Apple's launching their own streaming service. And just big news on them, they're printing to release 100 movies a year. 100 movies a year for their, uh, for their fucking streaming service. How, how crazy is that? That's a lot of programming. For you know to launch it up, and then we've got Disney Plus happening in November, so far out. Uh, I just get because they haven't really highlighted the word here. Uh, Quibi. There it is. So he's, he's setting up this streaming service called Quibi, and he's doing a ten to twelve chapter story that can only be viewable after midnight. Um, so what they've done is what Quibi have done is they've got a They've got the app that you can watch it on your phone or your or your thing like that or any device that you have, and uh, what they've done is they've put an in-app clock that counts down until the sun goes down, giving viewers a limited and spooky window to watch the series each night. Its working title is called Spielberg's After Dark, fittingly. And uh, yeah, what so they've pretty much what they've done is they've put that clock in there. Um, It'll be... Oh, Queen of Courtship. Wow. And it's going to be a... Um, yeah, 10 to 12 chapters. And it will end at like, obviously, when the sun comes up in the morning, uh, 6 a.m. Oh, I was trying to find that bit because I wanted to know exactly when you would not be able to watch it, but it hasn't really um, delved into it here. Anyway... It's probably counted down to um, to 6 a.m. This just really, really intrigued me. I've never really thought about like uh, making a, you know, or thinking, thinking of experiencing a horror film that only can be seen in kind of the conditions that a horror film should be seen in, which is in complete darkness and uh, no, lights or, no lights on or any, any distractions. I mean, imagine you probably have lights on, but like it can only be seen kind of like in the uh, witching hour really um, it's what it's a really interesting way to get people in the mood for it like to, to set a mood to set a kind of certain atmosphere for it um, yeah so I wonder how that's going to pan out I wonder if it's going to be any good really because um, you know obviously it starts you, you got to start having a good script and having good characters and people you can follow not just having a really mindless thing you can watch after midnight so it'd be, it'd be I really like it to be something that has um, that 
you know, people could follow and be like, oh, okay, let's make something like this. Like imagine Mike Flanagan, right? And no, no offense to Steven Spielberg, he's a great director and everything like that. Um, inspirational as well. He's made some great films, some fucking great films. But to me, he's kind of fallen off the map in the last few years. Um, imagine someone like a horror director or like, like James Wan or uh, Mike Flanagan writing a series that can only be seen at midnight and um i just imagine like the stories that probably come up with um you know two of our best horror directors working today james one and um uh, uh mike flanagan that'd be that'd be really really cool there'd be some awesome shit like it's something like the conjuring like only like hap- like uh as soon as the sun goes down so i'd say i mean I, i'd probably put it at um seven i mean the sun goes down at like five thirty here in australia but I probably put it at like seven, probably, and then you get like until six thirty in the morning to watch it all, and then you're locked out. You're just locked out. You can't access it. Into um. You can't access it until like seven o'clock the next night. It'd be really hard for people that like binging TV shows, um, unless they binge it all in one. I mean, it's a twelve ten, twelve to ten chapter story, and it's probably like half an hour long an hour long so I'm not too sure how that would probably you know what the length would probably for it I'm guessing it's probably going to be about I'd say half an hour because um, you know, he has a lot of projects he's working on at the moment he's still got that West Side Story remake he's working on as well with um, Ansel Elgort but uh, I don't know I just wanted to give, give it to you bring it to you guys attention I think it's an interesting premise I think it's a really cool idea um, and let me know what you think about it. Like, hit me up on Instagram if you want to um, talk about it. If you have any ideas of your own, like of what you want to, what you would do in that kind of time frame. I don't know what kind of film I'd make. I, I'd probably, um, you know, what would be cool. I reckon a home invasion. I reckon a home invasion kind of thriller. Um, where, because I, I started following this channel on YouTube called Nexpo, which is um, definitely give him a follow. Uh, he's got some really interesting and creepy stories that you can um, uh, watch. And uh, there's some fucking weird shit on there, man. There's some weird shit on that thing. Because like, most of the stuff comes from Reddit. And Reddit can be a dark place at times, apparently. And uh, I've been on and I've been on there and, and looked at those things and they're real. And uh, even if it was not, not as creepy it, uh, as they are, they're not, they're not like supernatural or anything like that. Just the fact alone that the, some of these stories are real and how just how weird they get, it's really unsettling. And uh, I hardly watch Nexpo at night because it just freaks me out. So imagine watching kind of like a like a true oh no it'd be cool a true crime kind of documentary or miniseries that can only be viewed at midnight until like. 5 a.m. Because I think those are like the kind of early hours where you're like, oh, what the... Like, this is creepy shit. Like, those are the spooky hours to me, I think. Midnight to about 4. I mean, everyone says that 1 to 2 a.m. is kind of like the times where they shouldn't be watching these kind of things. And uh, it's interesting when you see it on YouTube and it's like, well, I shouldn't have fucking opened this at 1 a.m. at night. And uh, they kind of... (laughs) You know, I've done the same thing. We've, we've all done that. We've all opened a window or something like that or watched a video on YouTube where we shouldn't be watching it that kind of night. We've had the fucking nightmares the next day, said we weren't going to do it the next night, and then we do the same fucking thing. 
So, you know, I've, 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 I can't say that I haven't done that because I've, you know, it happens all the fucking time. You watch an interesting video. I mean, most true crime dogs, people watch at night, they get freaked out about it in their sleep and they watch it again the next day. So it'd be really interesting either doing, my idea would probably be either a true crime doc, documentary or miniseries that can only be viewed from midnight to 4am or, or a home invasion thriller film that can only be viewed from 1am to 3am. 3, 3 I mean, assuming you're going to make it a 90 minute film, you can only watch it between that time frame. 1am to 3am. I think that'd be interest, really, really interesting. And they'd be like really freaked out because first of all, you're on edge because of how late it is or how early it is really. If, however you want to see that time frame. You're on edge. You're, you're, you're in the mood. You, you, put a, you put a good score in there. You put a good script in there. Good characters. And then having that kind of, that home invasion premise, you're going to freak some motherfuckers out, man. They're going to, they're going to like, <laughs> people are going to be warning their neighbors about it. They're going to be superstitious. They're going to be paranoid. Isn't that what you want as a filmmaker? As a, as, a, as a filmmaker that makes thriller films, isn't that what your goal is? I'm not saying people people um, give people seizures or heart attacks, but like putting them in that mood, that mindset. That sounds freaky, but it's true. <laughs> anyway. I'm just saying that that'd be that'd be cool. That'd be cool. That'd be cool to do. That'd be cool experience. I mean, I might. I, I don't know what the fuck Quibi is, but I want to. Um, I wouldn't mind giving it a go and seeing how how I feel. If anything changes, if experience is different to watching a horror film at let's say at like three p.m. in the afternoon. I'm just saying it'd be different. It'd be cool. All right, guys. It's it's an hour. I'm gonna wrap it up. Um, yeah, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Uh, again, this week I'm probably going to do on the weekend. Probably, I've probably said on the weekend I'm going to do a all the movies I watched in May because I haven't done. I didn't give you guys a podcast last week because I feel like I'm uh, not obligated, but uh, I I want to give you guys more content this week so you have um, more things to go away with. Uh, so you get this this normal episode, and you'll you'll definitely get um, the best of May on the weekend. I know I should probably do it tomorrow or the, on Friday, but I've got things on the next few days, so I can't really fit it, fit the podcast in there. But I'll probably do it on the weekend, so you'll get the best of May on the weekend, and then you'll probably get another normal episode um, uh, next Tuesday because I'm watching Toy Story four tomorrow night. I'm going to the, to the uh, premiere. Not the full-on Australian premiere, but I'm going to a premiere of, uh, you know, on premiere night. Going to see Toy Story 4. And I'm a little skeptical. The reviews have kind of lowered that skepticism, but I'm still kind of sitting there like, all right, but what about, you know, come on. I'm going to see what I think. Um, as it should always be with um, films like that and, and um, art. So... Um, I'll be talking about Toy Story 4 next week. Um, depending on what else I see, I'll be talking about that. I'm probably going to talk about a few TV shows as well. I started watching Nicholas Winding Reference to All the Die Youngs. So that's pretty good so far. Uh, it's a bit a bit slow, but I'll I'll um I I'm lo- I'm liking it. I'm not saying loving it, but I'm liking it at the moment. I'm liking where it's going. It's only been two episodes, but I'm still I'm I'm intrigued where it's going to go. I'm 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 keen to see. Um, I'm also watching Good Omens, which is another Amazon original. Uh, with um, David Tennant and my, um, Michael Sheen, that's that's interesting. That's a, that's a good show. 
and I've haven't started, but I'll probably start Jessica Jones season three on the weekend as well. Um, get around to that. Watching a bit more, well, a lot more really TV <laughs> uh, recently, um, and it's good TV though. It's good TV. It's good shit. And uh, if I do get time next week, I'll probably talk about um, some of that stuff. Um, I also watched Black Mirror season five, and that's that that was um, that was good. So I might uh, talk about that as well. So, guys, uh, thanks for listening to this uh, podcast tonight, and I'll talk to you on the weekend. Take it easy.